Welcome back, lads and ladies, to another episode of the FT LOL podcast. This one is all about loyalty. I won't give it away. That is Jack's job. But I've got to say, Jack, we're going to have to question the loyalty of two of our regular contributors to this podcast, don't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, I, I don't know what's happened, but they've not turned up for whatever reason. I can't say it's the first time. No I mean, no, no kidnapping, no excuses. No. That I know of anyway, unless we get a letter in the post. But yeah, talking of loyalty, our topic this week is the top 10 best one club men. And I'm starting to think, are Tom and Alex one podcast men or, or are they going on <laughs> other podcasts? Is that why they're not here? I don't know. But yeah, um, this, this criteria is very strict, isn't it? I'll just, yeah. I'll just rattle off a couple of people that weren't eligible for it that you'd probably think, oh, should be. So... Sir Tom Finney, Preston legend. He spent pretty much his whole career there. Um, he's, he's one of England's greatest ever players. 433 league games for Preston. One game for Toronto City. That rules him out, I'm afraid. Uh, Matt Letizia, another one. Played for Southampton for about 25 years or something. Um, but then he, he played for Eastleigh for 17 games and Guernsey for one game. So that rules him out as well. And then there's people that have gone online in their youth, they were ruled out. So, yeah, it, it's strictly you've played for one club throughout your career. Not like the, uh, what's the, is it Athletic Bilbao? Who won that? Yeah, because the people, some of the people that have won that. Letizia. Uh, one of them, yeah. They, he had actually played for other teams. But, yeah, I mean, did, did you have any honourable mentions before yeah. we kick off? Yeah, we do it properly. Um, so, I, I do have a few. Um, these are quite laughable. Um, Gary Neville, one of them. Ledley King, did he? He didn't play for anyone else, did he? He was strictly no. Um, Jamie Carragher, Carragher, and funny, we were talking about Leeds the other day. Um, on the opposite side, Gary Kelly, do you remember him? Oh, I didn't realise he was a one club man. Because he was Irish, I thought he might have he might have played in in the League of Ireland. But yeah, fair enough. He is a very well, good right back. Yeah, I believe he's a one club man. You, you can you can fact check me if you want. I would say though, the ones that I'm so I could have put people like Messi in there, but the, over this last year, it's ruined that, really, isn't it? So, I don't think he will be a one club man, and I, I think personally, you have to wait till till you retire because you you could have done this what three or four years ago. You might have had possibly Iniesta on there or someone like that. Look, a lot of them, a lot of them do go for that last move to I don't know MLS, just uh, the, the Middle East. Yeah, so I, I've personally not done anyone that is still playing. Um, I've got a couple of honourable mentions. So one that you might be surprised hasn't made my list is Tony Adams. So the way, I've, the way I've kind of looked at it is, I've looked at it, how loyal they were, how good a player they were, and also sort of, you know, were they too good for the club and, and things like that. Bigger than the club, really, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, look, wouldn't it's not difficult for Tony Adams to stay at Arsenal his whole career, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's the same with like, Gary Neville at Man United. Really, why is he going to leave? True. It's not. It's not difficult for him to be a one-club man in a way. And the other one is Santiago Bernabéu. Oh, that was my. Name, yeah, the, yeah. Go on. The name is very famous for the stadium, but yeah, he played very early on in Real Madrid's history, and then he was um, a manager for for a little bit. But he's probably better known for being yeah their president for bloody ages, like. 
30 odd years and then that's when they they named the stadium after him and yeah when when he was president that's when they were winning all those European Cups with Di Stefano and Puskas so yeah that's that's a little honourable mention as well no fair enough I'll kick off then because you've ruined my surprise one which is Santiago <laughs> Bernabeu oh no <laughs> um yeah I mean most people may not know who this guy is and most people may just assume that Madrid Stadium is that because of the location um but yeah Santiago Bernabeu is my number 10 I'll just put it in for a historical kind of uh, one. It was a bit of a fun one, to be honest. But yeah, a player, stadium, stadium named after him, uh, president, manager, like you said. He was captain for a bit, and um, his record's not too bad. He does, he, he hasn't didn't play for that long, really, but he got 70 goals at, in 80 official appearances, which is not bad. It's not a bad return, but I suppose back then, I don't know. I feel like a lot of players could stat pad or, you know, could get... Yeah, because you're back. talking like... This is before the World Cup era, even, yeah. isn't it? Because that was in the 20s and stuff, so... Before the war, um, before this yeah. Cup um, Yeah, so yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's right, Jack. I mean, he was, this is a little fun fact for you, um, when he was trying out for Real Madrid, when he was young, he was trying out with his brother, and um, he wanted to be a goalkeeper himself, and I think his brother, his name's Marcelo, he told him, no, you have to play up front, or you won't play at all, um, and that, you know, set him set him right one of those stories you know where he could have done it went in this direction he went in that direction and obviously went on to bang in 70 odd goals for Real Madrid and become a legend there um so yeah just a little fun fun one for you um but thanks for ruining my fun Jack straight away <laughs> do you know what that that fact actually does link in very well with my number 10 um Go so on. You said Santiago Bernabal was a striker that wanted to play in goal. Uh, my number 10 is a goalkeeper that obviously wanted to play outfield, and that is Rogerio Senni. Um, I, I think <laughs> I had to put him in, because he, he's actually got the record for most appearances for one it. club. Yeah, and he's he's almost certainly more famous for his goal scoring than he is actual goalkeeping. Um, yeah, I, I just had to have because of because of the fact that he's got a record there. I mean, to be honest, he's had it pretty cushy at, at Sao Paulo because you know he he got to be on pens and free kicks for a keeper. He's he's probably not going to get that anywhere else. Nah. Um, and in terms of how good he was, well, probably not the best in terms of pure goalkeeping. Certainly, Dida and Tafarel was better than him as as Brazilian keepers but you probably do feel that if if he had moved into Europe he might have got more than his 18 Brazil caps and he, he maybe be more recognised for his actual goalkeeping and, and, and goal scoring but yeah he's got quite a few records most most uh, appearances for one club most goals from a goalkeeper Not and perfectly. he's got quite the trophy cabinet as well yeah but I've totally forgot about him but yeah he's a he's a he's one for the uh, history books definitely um I'm moving on to the Premier League now for my number nine, Ryan Giggs. He's one of those players, I think we meant talked about it when we spoke about David Beckham. I think his personal life overshadows his actual playing ability. Right, get, don't get me wrong, he's not. I don't, I don't think he was like a world-class player, um, in, especially in the you know late 90s to 2000 era. He was nowhere near the, the, the people around at that time, right? But he was a brilliant player, don't get me wrong, he, he, he was a brilliant player. Part at night, class of 92 from United. Over 930 appearances, this guy. I think he played till he's like 40, wasn't it, Jack? 40, around his late... Yeah, because he, he scored in every Premier League season up until, I think it was maybe David Moyes' season or Fergie's last season. So, yeah. 
yeah, and that's the thing actually he took over from David Moyes, didn't he as well? Um, exactly, yeah. As in, exactly. Like an interim boss, so yeah. Didn't do really well, but I mean, you know, everyone should know who Giggs is. I don't know whether you know the younger generation may know him for other stuff, but you know, it, he may have, his reputation's gone downhill since he did what he did. But a speedy winger, and he, he he was like their their new George Best, so to speak, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Left footed, um, has a wonderful left foot, and. I suppose the one goal that sums him up, sorry to say it, Jack, but it was that one versus Arsenal where he basically ran through the whole team. Obviously, as he got older, it died off a bit, but he still was a class class act. And, um, you know, he provided as well as scored. I think he actually had more assists than actually got actual goals. Um, and I think that's where he let himself down a bit in terms of his status worldwide. He never got enough goals, I don't think, in a season to be classed as you know, one of the top 10 in the world. I don't personally think anyway. But he was consistent in that club. He won so many trophies. I mean, that United team, I don't want to list them all off because we'll be here for days, but anyone from the class of 92, then, yeah, you're going to you're gonna have shitloads of trophies, really, aren't you? Mm. Um, so, Mr Giggs is number nine. Just while we're on Premier League players, it shocks me that, you know, obviously I wanted to put JT in, John Terry. Um, and I completely forgot about the Aston Villa stint he had and the little six-game stint he had at Notts Forest. But I just wanted to... I had a look at Chelsea, right? And our longest-serving player is Jamal Blackman. Who <laughs> you went to school with. Yeah, which is ridiculous, right? That's that's, that's just stupid. Although ours was... Um, it had been Emmy Martinez as well, up until up until he left. He, he yeah. probably joined the same time as Blackman joined Chelsea. But, Honestly. yeah, I know. You just don't get it as much these days, do you? No. With people getting testimonials and stuff like that, but yeah, gig, gigs weren't in mine, but that's a shout. He's synonymous with United as well, United and Premier League, really. So yeah, yeah, he's um, yeah. So on to my number nine. We've spoken about him before on previous podcasts as sort of a captain and a leader, and that is Carlos Puyol. Yeah, he played for Barcelona. Sort of, he started when they weren't necessarily a, a massive team. They were quite underperforming, and you know he had to play at right back and at centre back. And he just got on and, and did the job really. And he helped transition them from kind of an underachiever to probably the you know we've ranked it as the greatest club side in the last twenty five years. He went for a lot of managers, and he yeah he just stayed loyal to Barca. Um, he just gave everything and unlike a few of his other colleagues like Xavi and Iniesta he never went for that payday to the Middle East at the end of his career he just retired at Barcelona yeah no he, he, he's, he's on my list I think he's um, like you said he's dealt with a few managers and he didn't go he retired but it, he retired in a way I don't think it was a good way I think it was he was fed up with the Barcelona board and I remember Messi last year when he was talking about leaving and, you know, quitting, the first person to say on Twitter to say, yeah, well done, Messi, you know, all that malarkey was Payal, wasn't it? So there's that element of it. I mean, we can't judge him after his career, but I think during his during his career, he, he was one of the most loyal players I think you can probably get in the game, 100%. He's a lot higher on my, on my um, list for that pure fact. So, yeah, good shout. Right, so my number eight, it's, another, it's a keeper. It's a keeper. It's Yashin. The Black Spider, Mr. Yashin. A lot of people probably know him from FIFA because they've they wasn't born in the early 1900s. Um, but yeah, this guy we spoke about him in the in the goalkeepers podcast, didn't we, Jack? And he was so consistent, so just such a presence in a in a team, a leader from the back, and he had his own style. You know, everyone knows him for that cap. He was just a, a brilliant keeper. 
an unbelievable record, a brilliant um, keeper internationally. And yeah, the club that he stayed at for 33 years, Dynamo by Moscow, 33 years. That's ridiculous. Yeah, without giving anything away, uh, I've got Yashin a fair bit higher on my list. But yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about it on... Well, actually, we haven't. You wasn't on the goalkeeper's podcast, were you? <laughs> it was me and Alex. But um, yeah, I, I'll probably go into more detail when we get to it. But it's, it's one of them where it's a bit baffling that he never did move, especially to, to sort of go to a different league. Yeah. He he'll be the type that you, you probably expect to go to like Madrid's of that time or you know Barcelona. It it was a bit of a baffling one, but thirty three years at one club that's ridiculous amount of time. Um, yeah. So who have you got? So my number eight. This is a guy that if he was playing now, maybe if he was playing twenty years ago, I don't think he would be a one club man. He would have been too good, and he would have been snapped up by one of the top, you know, Madrid's Barca's etc. And that is Nilton Santos. I think we may have spoken about him in, in the Brazilian podcast, but I mean, he's he's sort of widely regarded as one of the greatest Brazilian fullback and, and fullbacks just generally of all time. He was at Botafogo uh, for 16 years with Garincha, actually. But surprisingly, then, they didn't actually win much domestically. They won four sort of, you know, in Brazil, it's a bit funny. They have like regional titles, don't they? Yeah. So he won four of those. He never won the the sort of Brazilian National League. He never won the Copa Libertadores, uh, unlike, you know, Pele Santos, who who won quite a lot um, on the continent and they even won the, the Club World Cup and stuff like that. Yeah, you would have thought that Pele might have had a word in his ear to say, come to Santos, probably s- similar to Grincher and, and you know, just um, they all just teamed up there. But he stayed loyal and Botafogo, I, I would say as well, is probably not even the biggest club in Rio de Janeiro, because you've got Flamengo and arguably Fluminense as well. Is is sort of a bigger, a bigger side, but um, you know he he stayed there. And actually, Botafogo were were loyal back. Their their stadium is named after Nilton Santos now, so it's a little bit like the the Santiago Bernabéu situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of my players have a stadium named after them. It would be weird if we had a Tony Adams Stadium, which is my number seven. I don't know, is it a Tony Adams stand? There normally is like a Tony Adams turnstile or some shit like that, isn't it? And is there anything like that? He's Arsenal? got a statue. He's got a statue. Oh, there we go. So there's something. Yeah, captain, Tony Adams. Led Arsenal through, I suppose, different periods. And that's why I think he's worth putting on this list. Because he had Wenger as a manager. Did he? Am I right in saying he had um, Taylor as a manager as well? Uh, Graham. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he... He, I suppose he made his way through the ranks at um, Arsenal. I think through different periods, this guy has just been a rock-solid leader. And I, I was listening to Martin Keown once. It, was, it must have been last year. Martin Keown did a special about Arsenal. And he was talking about Tony Adams and what a leader he is. And he said even at a young age, he was just telling the likes of experienced, more experienced players. When he was coming through, he was shouting the fuck down at them he was telling them what to do and stuff and Martin Keown was like he was just sitting there amazed by what this this kid or this this guy was doing in front of his eyes to fully grown experienced players and to be like that I think it's just a bit it sets a present on how you're going to be throughout your career and Adams was exactly like that as well as Keown you, you hear him speaking on um you know, match of the day and sometimes they were on talk sport, etc. You can tell they've got it up there. I mean, Keown looked like he didn't have a clue what his fucking name was. But I just think Adams was someone who you could trust at the back. 
unfortunately, he wasn't part of that Invincibles team, was he? I think he left the, that year or the season before. He, yeah, he retired in in O two, but yeah, he he went out captain side to the double. So yeah, I mean, he's he was pivotal to that Arsenal team, and I suppose without players like him, I mean, you know, we had the likes of Vieira as well. I don't think Arsenal would have been the team they were at that point. I just think he was such a such a classy defender, someone who's a rival, obviously, to Chelsea. But you know, I hated him at the time, and you would you don't want to play against him because he he was just clever. He was cleverer, and he knew the Premier League like the back of his hand. I think he was very experienced, and he I, I don't know, Jack, you you can probably back this up. I, I get the impression he was experienced at a young age as well, not just the way he came across, but. In terms of his playing style as well, from what I understand, you may have read up previously about Adams, but he seemed like he was the, you know, kind of like the finished product early on in a defensive role. Yeah, he was. He He's a natural leader and he was... He's our youngest ever permanent captain and our youngest ever sort of captain just generally as well. And he was key in sort of playing the offside trap, which, I mean, you go back to intelligence, you know, that that is all about intelligent defending and using your brain um, rather than just your physical gifts, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've spoken about it on the captaincy podcast, haven't we? He made our top five and, yeah, just the way that he managed to transition from a very old school side old school way of playing and culture to, to Wenger's kind of new new thing and that made him stay a one club man really because you think Wenger didn't normally like to give contracts to the people over the age of 30 and he managed to stay on till he was 35 and was you know captain the whole time pretty much first choice up until the last year and yeah you, you don't get that without serious commitment and professionalism yeah spot on surprisingly only in your top 10 but We'll yeah, see. I just I probably took it as maybe that's because an Arsenal fan. I thought, oh, actually, it's not really a big deal to play for Arsenal your whole career. Like, if you're, you know, if you're given that opportunity, why would you leave? So maybe that's why yeah. I've not got him in there. But yeah, I don't know you'd have no issues from me putting it in the in the final list. My seven, I think you'll probably have him higher. And probably the reason he's not higher is kind of what I've said for Adams about kind of why would you leave this situation? Um, and that is Paolo Maldini. Oh, mate, you are joking, are you? I mean, in many ways, he could be number one, but he's up there with, with the most appearances for one club. Family name as well. Uh, his son plays from now, doesn't he? And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't go into too much detail because I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to have him quite high up on the list. But yeah, the reason I've probably put him this low is the the situation that he was in. Pretty much everyone now after this is in a situation where they should be playing for a much better team. Um, and it's it's purely down to loyalty. But yeah, as an actual player, I'm kind of this synom- synonymous with Milan. That's the first guy you think of, isn't it, when you think of Milan? Paolo Maldini. Yeah, spot on. I am shocked, but I'm going to shock you even more. And I'm pretty sure this guy is higher on your list. Francesco Totti, number six for me. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, 700, uh, 785 games, if I'm correct. Brilliant player. Absolute brilliant. Jack, I know you love him, so I will not go on at all um, about this guy because you'll probably spend a, a few hours on this one. Um, just majestic, majestic player. He pass, dribble, shoot. Everything he was known for spitting as well. I think he got banned for, a, for quite a while for spitting at people. But yeah, I mean the guy. I wouldn't put him as high as. It's a difficult one. I don't know. We must talk about him before in the Italian podcast. But I don't think I put him as high as world class. You know, you can probably put him world class, rank top fifty or something like that. But you're talking about the top twenty players, the world or so. He's not up there. 
but he is a legend. He's a, he's one of those weird players. I don't I, I can't explain it. He's like, he's an he's an icon. He's just yeah, as a player, brilliant, right? Wouldn't put him up there with the best of the best, but he's a, one of the best players that have been around anyway, right? I think the reason I've put him fifth is a combination. I don't think he's a good, as good as the ones above as a player. And I don't know if you know this, Jack, he did toy with the idea of joining Real Madrid. And once he retired, he did say that was his biggest regret. I know we said about not, you know, referring to anything once they retired, but he said he was very close to joining Real Madrid. And his biggest regret was not signing for him and playing with R9. Now, I I can see that link up there being fucking amazing. Totti and R9, just thinking about it, it's just, yeah, that, that would be a perfect link up. Yeah, Totti with Zidane and R9. What? Yeah, mad. But the re- that's the reason why I've got him so high because one, there was a there, there was a thought in his head to leave Roma. Now everyone thinks, and he is the he is. People would say, look, one club guy, Totti. I think that's synonymous with one club guy. If you think about a player who stayed at a club loyal, it's him. And I suppose that's the whole base of this podcast. But when you find out little bits like that, and then if you're basing it on who's a better player as well, uh I'm putting him sick, but I know you probably have other reasons and probably better reasons why he's higher. But yeah, Totty, number six for me. Who's your number six? My number six, uh, well, we talked or it was mentioned in great detail in our Tottenham feature session. Uh, It's Ledley King. Um, To be honest, this this has been influenced by that episode, I think, and the way James sort of talked about him and looking at it from a Tottenham fan's perspective, your best player, your sort of centre-back, has joined your arch-rivals and Ledley King sort of stepped up and gone in and, um, you know, filled, filled his boots as such. Yeah, he every, everyone that faced Ledley King and and played with him and stuff says that he's one of the most talented defenders, top five centre back in in the league and all that, a lot of all time in in the Premier League. And for someone like that to be playing in that Tottenham side, it was before you know Tottenham. Now they're not great, are they? But they're a lot better than they were when Ledley King was playing. Yeah, and he was like a, a diamond amongst like shit basically and yeah he could have left there would have been teams after him I think we were linked with him one um, I think Newcastle were linked with him I'd imagine United were probably linked with him around the time that they got Rio Ferdinand and yeah he just he just stayed where he was and of, of all the players on, on my list he's probably the one that played at the worst team um, so yeah that's that's why he's sick for me yeah that's fair enough uh, yeah like you said I only hear good things about Lily You know, he's always been... He, to be honest, we didn't see much of him. I don't know, for me growing up, I didn't see much of him. But you always hear that he's like one of the best... Like People keep saying he would have been better than John Terry and stuff like that. And, you know, they grew up in the same team, didn't they? So, I, you know, it might not be far off. You know, he's at the club now. I think he's part of the backroom staff. There's that famous clip at the moment where he's... Um, I think Jose Mourinho walks in... in after the game and he speaks Portuguese and he's going blah 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 and then Ledley King's up there laughing and he's clearly can't understand what what Jose's saying I saw him laughing I didn't know what that was <laughs> he has no was idea about. what Jose's saying but he's just playing along with it but yeah he's part of the backroom staff anyway he's um yeah I think he's Tottenham through and through to be honest I don't know if he supports them as a kid as well who knows my number five, right? So this will surprise you. Although I said it was a bit of a shock that you put Maldini six. I put Maldini five. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just a shock he wasn't one higher. Um, the reason is, it's pretty similar to you, to be honest, Jack. He is an AC Milan legend. You know, why would you leave, right? And pretty similar to the reason why I put Totti six, right? It's because he, I think it was the early 90s, right? But I never knew this. So this was 
this was when I was doing a bit of research, right? In the early 90s, AC Milan were going through a bit of a rough patch. And two clubs, two Premier League clubs are after him. Do you, can you guess who those temp- two Premier League clubs are? The fact that he's Italian, Chelsea's got to be one. <laughs> yeah, spot on. What's the other one? What year? Early 90s? No, it was mid-90s. So you're talking probably 96, 97, but around that time. I'm going to guess just because they sort of were spending quite a lot of money then. Newcastle? No, it's Arsenal. Funny enough, how fitting. Oh, really? Yeah, so apparently Chelsea and Arsenal were after him in the mid-90s and he was umming and ahhing about it. He was thinking, oh, do I go there? Blah, blah, blah. So obviously the Chelsea influence, like you were saying, were trying to bring him over. He he said no initially, right? So he said no, so that's fine. But Abramovich came in at Chelsea and obviously we know the longevity of Maldini, right? So he could have carried on probably similar to how Thiago Silva is now. He came over, he actually flew to London Again, this was all revealed after he retired. He flew over to London. He had a meeting with Roman Ramovich and Butch, a.k.a. Ray Wilkins, in the, I suppose, the early noughties. So, what are we talking? When was Roman Ramovich in 2003? Um, yeah. And there was negotiations, and he could have possibly, he was very close to joining Chelsea. But he had a, he had, he, he had a U-turn because his family, he was like thinking about his family, he didn't want to come stay in London, etc. But that, just that there, finding that out there, and this is solely based on loyalty, I couldn't put him any higher. Um, but, if I, if I didn't know that, he would have been a lot higher for me because he is a one-club man. Like you said, his, his son plays for him. He's, I think he's a sporting director or some something along those lines. Uh, um, we got Tamori, didn't he? Yeah. So he, he's very associated with that club. There's, there's, you think of AC Milan, the first thing I think anyway is Maldini. I don't think of anything yeah. else. So he's very associated with the club. But this episode is about, for me, one-club man and that means loyalty and i don't know for me if you're entertaining any offer that doesn't ring as loyal as as what i originally thought he was um that's like you jack going out some birds like oh jack nice eyes and you're like oh yeah want to go on a date that, that's entertaining it that's that's you going out you know since you go, go on a date and then you go back to your missing like actually i didn't go with that girl you know you can't you can't be doing that that's exactly what maldini did in football terms not good so, um, yes, a great player. Yes, stayed at AC Milan, a one-club man. But no, not good that he um, entertained the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal. And how fucking amazing would it have been to have Maldini in the Premier League? I wonder if he would have got found out, though. I wonder if it would have changed the way we would have viewed Maldini. Well, I mean, if he joined, if he joined in like two thousand and four, he would have been he would have been thirty five, wouldn't he? Because didn't he retire at forty, and he retired about four or five years later? So maybe you might be right. Yeah, but I I didn't know that. Stan. No, not at Chelsea were linked with everyone, weren't they? But I I didn't know that it was it was serious. Um, yeah. So that, that we find that out only because of this podcast has changed my perspective on the loyalty side of things. But he's still a fucking great player. But yeah, go on, Jack. Who's your number five? Fair enough. Um, the other side of Milan, I'm going to for my number five. And I mean, people will probably know this name, um, but it's Giuseppe Bergami. So he he was into Milan, and he was there for about twenty years. He was part of that 1982 World Cup winning side. He, he was quite a key part in that. And for me, the reason he's so high is because he was sort of a... That inter period, in 20 years, he won one, one Serie A and an Italian Cup. So he won two domestic titles. Um, I think he got a 
UEFA Cup or two uh, when when R9 was there. He certainly won one. And, you know, he should have just won so much more given how good he was. You're talking about one of the best Italian defenders of all time, probably, in, you know, in the top 10 and massive, massive compliment. And like a lot of these guys will probably be talking about, he was on the, the FIFA 100 list and that, that Pele did, didn't he? And yeah, he, he was just a really fantastic defender, very underrated. I think he's up there with Costa Curta as, as one of the most underrated players. And, you know, he could have, he could have easily fitted into that Milan side of the early 90s or Platini's Juventus in the 80s and, and won himself a couple of European Cups. But he stayed where he was. I'm a bit conscious now that he he might have had a meeting with uh, with Berlusconi or something that, that, that I don't know about. But, um, yeah, as far as I know, there's there was no talk of of him going going to like any other clubs but yeah to, to play for in the grand scheme of things quite a poorly performing club I mean one league title in 20 years yeah and being one of the greatest defenders and you know he's won he's won a world cup and he's done well in in European championships and things like that you've got to be thinking oh he should have he should have won more no but you're right he stayed where he was he's he's quite happy there really and yeah he's that's loyalty I'm, I'm sure he could have gone to a lot of better teams. Yeah, and you, you kind of got to get cr- credit to the Italian uh, players out there because we've seen it ourselves. I mean, recently, a lot of Italian players stay in Italy, don't they? And they kind of get passed around the big clubs. Yeah. Who's it recently? Uh, Benucci. Is it Benucci? Benucci. Uh, um, Perlo famously Perlo. played for the three, didn't he? So did Zlatan. So there's, there's that element, yeah. So... In Italy, they kind of get passed around um, each club, which is fair enough. That's how they want to do it. But you know, the ones that do stay loyal do stay loyal. They they don't don't move on at all. You know, there's not even one club. So yeah, great shout. My number four. We spoke about this guy before. I don't know whether you've got him in your top ten, but I, I would say him. no because mine now are a bit. Some of them are a bit out there. Okay, I've got Billy McNeil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a shout. You know, we spoke about. I, I think I spoke about him on the captains episode. It was a bit of controversy. So you had him at number two, captain, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of controversy because, I, yeah, I had number two as captain over Bobby Moore. Um, we won't go into that. Just, just on that note, if Alex was here, he'd probably say noble for for this, even though he hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Billy McNeil, Celtic legend. I probably could have had him higher, to be honest, but I think the three above. He won the Athletic Award, didn't he? One. Yeah, he has. Um, he he played at a youth level for I think it's Blantar. So you know, again, that's... never heard of them. Who are they? Are they Scottish? Yeah, they are Scottish, but um, I don't know whether I, I don't think they're a major team. And it was it was a young young team anyway. Um, Billy McNeil. I I spoke about him in a sense when I was talking about in the captaincy uh, episode. I was more edging toward his gentleman side of things, wasn't I? I was saying like that one example when he he was playing a Champions League game and they were kicking the shit out of him basically and instead of him reacting, he fucking shakes his hand. Something stupid like that. Anyway, that that's all cool, blah, blah, blah. But this guy was solid, a solid defender. And I think he played over 400 games for Celtic within, I think, the most league titles in a row or, you know, in a, in a top, I say top, back then it was top, a top... Um, yeah, it would have been back then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously winning the European Cup plus other, many other Scottish titles. He was the most consistent. And obviously he went on to manage Selig, didn't he, as well. I just think he's someone that doesn't really get talked about because he, it was Selig. If, if yeah. this guy was, I don't know, part of AC Milan or 
Or United. United. He'll be talked about as one of the best players that have ever played. You know, he could be talk, talked about like he was Bobby Moore. The, the amount of titles and the things he was, the, the longest, one of the longest cap, serving captains. I just think Billy McNeil deserves to be in this top 10 and he's at my number four for me. He probably could have been higher. When we get to the final 10, yeah, I might push him a little bit higher. Subject to your opinions, Jack. Yeah, do you know what? That, the thing is with Celtic in general, so uh, what I, I had a lot of honourable mentions. One I didn't mention um, was a Celtic player a bit later on, Packy Bonner, uh, who was the Irish goalkeeper for yeah. like, um, Jack Charlton's World Cup heroes. And I just thought with Celtic, it's such a cushy place to be. Like, especially yeah. with that Lisbon Lion team, because they were all, well, not all of them, but a lot of them were um, born within, was it 30 miles of the stadium or something? Yeah. Like six or seven, and I think Billy McNeil was one of them. But yeah, you do have a point, because I think a few of them guys, Jimmy Johnson was, was he the star, or he was one of the main, Might, yeah. the main players? He left, didn't he? He went to, I can't remember now. I think he might have but gone they... to Forest or something like that. And a few, a few of them did, did go into the English League. So yeah. Because they got the exposure from that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Jock Steen gets the plaudits, doesn't he, a lot, rather yeah. than the players. It's wrong, yeah. really. And I think Billy McNeil was, I, I personally think, was the, the rock of that Celtic side. To, to go on, yes, it was the, uh, the Scottish League, but, um, you know, back then, it was still a hard feat, or at least harder than it is today. Yeah. Win that many league titles in a row and pick up a European Cup. Don't forget that. That's a major thing. First uh, British side to do it, so... Yeah. You couldn't you couldn't have said the Scottish League was a bad league. And actually Aberdeen won one, didn't they, as well? So, you know, they that was a decent league. Yeah, that that's a shout. I mean, yeah, he is a legend, isn't he? Like and that's that's one of the first people you think of. In yeah. terms of the players anyway. I know you probably do think I I probably do think of Jockstein first, but when you think of the players in that team it's it's probably him and like Jimmy Johnson as as the main two. Um Yeah. Yeah. So my number four, you had mentioned him before. And it's uh, Lev Yashin. So it's probably a bit political, really, as to why he never moved. But if, if we did a top a top Russian footballers list, he'd be so far ahead of everyone else. He was just yeah. he was just really good, really, really good goalkeeper. And yeah, yeah, players didn't really move about as much then, but you still had a lot of a lot of people in the sort of sixties that, that did play, especially in the likes of Spain and Italy as, as sort of the main two. And you think when they, they won the Euros in 1960, Soviet Union, that, that Yashin might have got a big move off the back of that. Um, I've got to be honest, I don't I don't know if he ever considered it, but I very much doubt it. Um, he's he's such a hero in, in Russia and, and Moscow. And yeah, he's got a, state, uh, a statue outside of the stadium. Like I, I gather a lot of these people probably will. And um, yeah, he he sort of stands out as one that's not only probably too good for his club, but too good for his his league as well. Really, he he's a standout in his domestic league out of all the players, which is so strange to say for a goalkeeper. Yeah, you're breaking your own rule, with Jack Paul. Yeah, so, I, I think I mean I think when it comes to this, it's it's maybe more when you're having to rank how good they are as players. But yeah. So, I think he he sticks out so much as someone that's just so far ahead of, of everyone else in terms yeah. of their club or whatever, or their league. Yeah, and such a fucking long time. Um, my number three. Right, overhyped. Who do you think I'm talking about? Just going to say what, that. So he's on, he's, on your, he's on your list, but he's overhyped. Yeah, okay. I will go further. Premier League, overhyped. <sighs> Paul Scholes. Yeah, spot on. Um, overhyped, yes, I think so. Ability-wise, unreal, but not as... 
when I say overhyped, again, I'm not putting him in, the, in that world-class category. All that stuff about him fucking can hit a, a tree from 20 miles away or ru- all that rubbish. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo said, hit that old woman with the fucking walking stick over there and Wolf Skulls did. All that rubbish. It's all, it's just, I don't know. For some reason, he's become an internet sensation, Paul Skulls. Um, without him bloody knowing, I, I don't. I don't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jack. When we was watching him growing up, I don't remember any of the hype about Paul Scholes. It just seemed like once he retired, that was it. it all of a sudden, he started blowing up. However, well, yeah, I, he and they seem to say that he controlled games, but he only really moved. Well, from what I remember, he was a second striker until well, you know, in the hole until about 2004, 2005. Yeah, and then he moved back. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so he is a good player though I, I can't get that wrong and he is miles ahead of I, I think I don't think he's close to Gerald. I think you know my opinions on Gerald. but Paul Scholes yes a brilliant player and like we said remember this podcast is about loyalty for me and the ones before him based on ability they would have got ahead of him I think Maldini definitely however Paul Scholes Again, part of that class of 92, 710 appearances, loads of trophies. I don't know whether he holds the records for the most trophies in the Premier League ever. No, that would be Giggsy, I think. Yeah, is it Giggs? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think he's definitely, you're definitely right, though. Out of all the United players, he has got to be the one that's, and I'll go on to my reasons why, actually, after. Are you Have you got number three as well? I've not got him on my list, but okay. I'm well up for having him because I... I just remembered something about is it the fact that he retired, retired and came back out of retirement. Well, this it? is this is part of it, yeah. So obviously he he retired, he came out of retirement. At that point, really, you can go anywhere, can't you? Like, yeah, a lot of footballers have done it. Talk about Letizia as an example. His lower league, and the other thing is, he's a massive Oldham fan, and that was quite well known yeah. way before he finished playing. It was always the thing. You know how people talk about. Um, Messi going back to Newell's old boys and stuff like that. Yeah. This is what people used to say about Skulls going back to Oldham. And you thought, oh, probably he would do that then. And he never did. And yeah, he, he came out of retirement. That is, yeah, it's you massive. You really ask for more than that, can you, loyalty-wise? No, because you think about it, you're, you're probably building up to that point of retirement, right? So you've made that decision probably six months in advance, probably further than that, right? And you're thinking, right, this is my last season. And you prepare yourself. You, you probably start to wind down even. You make plans with your family, blah, blah, blah. And then Fergie comes in and says, look, I need you. I need you. And you, you've, you've settled your life, basically. And he, he comes out, comes back, and he still plays exactly the same as he did before. Um, he was pivotal to that Man United side. And he stayed in a team with the likes of Ronaldo, Tevez, Rooney. I know they're not his position, but, you know, when you have players like that, a club can easily go out and buy a Pirlo if they wanted to. They were a massive club in terms of, on the pitch and globally, you know, as a brand. Um, but Skulls kept his place and he kept it consistent and he was most relied on. I don't think he was the most outspoken player on the pitch, but he'd done it with the way he played. I just think he was a bit overhyped after he retired, um, officially completely retired. But in terms of loyalty and, and a one-man club in the Premier League, I don't think he can get any more, any any better than Paul Skulls, I don't think. So, yeah, he's my number three. Who have you got? Right, so my number three, it's not far region-wise from from Skulls. Uh, we're also in Greater Manchester and we're going to Bolton for Nat Lofthouse. So this guy, a bit like Santiago Bernabeu, did uh, the whole manager thing as well. 
after after playing. Um, he was at Bolton since he was a, a kid in the youth system at 14 years old. And yeah, he's he's their record goal scorer. Um, and yeah, he's when you think of Bolton players historically, he he stands out like a sore thumb in terms of being the best. And do you remember when Kevin Davis um, played for England that time? Yeah. And then there was a lot of talk about basically him being like the first Bolton starting player to play or score for England or something since Lofthouse. And I mean, Lofthouse was an amazing player. He he got thirty goals in thirty three games for England, and I think that's when his name gets mentioned the most when people are about to overtake him. So I think Harry Kane over him recently for for goals. Um, anyone that gets around that sort of thirty mark, and he yeah he um, he did win the FA Cup at Bolton, and he got to you know the Stanley Matthews final, um, yeah. the one for Blackpool. He was on the losing side of that, right. and, and he scored in that final as well. And that was before he won the FA Cup, so he he stayed on and he got them over the line. And they weren't, yeah, they won the FA Cup, but they weren't ever a big club. I mean, you had the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, United, Wolves. They they were all bigger. And um, I think around in the 50s, we had, I think we had like a 35-year-old striker. So, look, we, we were spending money as well. So, if we wanted to sign Matt Lofthouse, we could have afforded it. But I very much doubt he would have left Bolton because he was a boyhood fan. And, yeah, he, he was their greatest ever player um, and a great player for England as well. Brilliant shout! I didn't know as much detail as that, but I completely forgot about him. I knew, I knew of him. Like you said, yeah. every time you're watching on ITV an England game, if someone gets near that, that's that what. Thing. That's when he always gets the the mention, really. When yeah. someone overtakes, I, I don't know who the next person is. He's sort of the benchmark for England strikers, you know, because you've got to try and beat. I think Shearer just about beat Lofthouse's goal record as well, and that that's where you've got to kind of get to thirty goals if you want to be a an England legend so it's a good it's a good sort of benchmark and it's good because yeah I mean you don't often talk about Bolton players so much he's yeah he's a bit synonymous with it I don't know if he's got a stand named after him but I'm pretty sure he's something but I don't know but they're, they're called the Reebok Stadium anyway so they might be commercial <laughs> for that but I know this, he's got I know he's got a statue anyway is it still the Reebok Stadium now it might have been changed yeah I mean. it's probably some other brand isn't it yeah but yeah and that's a that's a great shout I'm more than happy to have him on the top 10. Right, so my number two, you've mentioned him. In terms of loyalty, in terms of appearances, in terms of being part of a fantastic uh, Barca team, in terms of being a captain for that team, I think Payal, for me, screams out uh, a one-club man. Um, The one issue I did have, like I mentioned when you said, is after he retired and that messy situation last year, he did, you know, he did kind of bowed mouth not Barcelona in the sense it's the, the presidents in, in, involved in in Barcelona and I think that's the reason why he left as well um however while he was there he was doing wonders he he was just a, a solid defender someone who would lead from the back there's those we always see clips of him screaming at other defenders put like literally dragging them into position etc um can get up and score a header he he never looked for me he, he didn't look like a tall defender um, he 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 was. I don't think he was really short, but he didn't have the presence of a a leader, if that makes sense. He didn't physically look like a leader. Um, you normally expect a leader to be a massive centre back, you know. But I I I think he was someone who bled Barcelona. I think everything was for the club. His passion on the pitch was always there, and I got set straight in the captain's episode, didn't I? Um, when I don't think I put him as high previously. Um, I think Tom set me straight because I I don't I didn't think I'd give him enough credit at that time but yeah he, he he was a good 
he, he was a good player. He was a fantastic player. He done exact same for Spain as well. He's not as good as Maldini, obviously, but I suppose he's the equivalent for Spain, uh, winning the World Cup, etc. And he done wonders at Barcelona. I mean, the 08 team, we've said it. I won't give it away, but they're part of our top 10 best sides since, I think it was the 90s, wasn't it? Or the early Yeah, 90, 95. Yeah, so that episode there, he definitely features in that. And he's he's definitely pivotal to that team that features in that episode. Yeah, you just always remember him shouting at <laughs> shouting at someone, telling them to fix up and, and do their job. And yeah, that... Poyol is, we've said this before as well, but Poyol is the one guy I think, like more than anyone, really. Yeah. Because, yeah, you've got Xavi and Iniesta, but they can always play a different way, if you know what I mean. But no matter how you play, you need that leader at the back. And they, they just have... haven't got that anymore. No, not at all. I don't know. I don't, I, actually, to be honest, I can't even name you who you're, who their starting centre-backs are now. You know, I gather PK still is. And is it long late? I don't know. Yeah, long lane. Yeah, because Titi's always injured, isn't he? It's one of the French ones, but yeah, yeah. they just the, the drop off is just absolutely huge. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, my number two is get out there. Although he is a Ballon d'Or winner, uh, it's Florian mm. Florian Albert, and rightly or wrongly, he is Hungary's only Ballon d'Or winner. Wrongly, I would <laughs> I would say. Um, but yeah, ba- basically, he yeah he played when Puska sort of retired is is when Albert really kicked on for Hungary. Um they sort of never they never played together. Uh Albert sort of started playing in this in the sixties. and his club his club was Ferenc Faros and I've probably butchered that pronunciation, but um if you sort of go to to Budapest, well where I stayed anyway, there was a long I think it was a long like coach transfer to to get to my place and yeah, you drive past that stadium. Um and yeah, Albert was striker, he was top scorer at the 1962 World Cup, he he did a lot for Hungary. Um, he he got to the semi-finals in, in the European Championships as well. I think he did all right when when England won the World Cup in '66. He had a fairly decent tournament in there, um, and he did. There used to be a trophy called the Intercities Fairs Cup, sort of like the Cup Winners Cup, sort of budget version of the the sort of Champions League. UEFA Cup yeah. and they he did manage to get them to glory in in 65 and he won four four league titles in Hungary but four league titles in Hungary over 16 years when you're top scoring at a World Cup and bear in mind at this point you've got pretty you know your most famous two players in Hungary Puskas and Coxix have gone to Real Madrid and Barcelona 10 years earlier you're not stuck in Hungary you can move around so so for him to to have some of that success in Europe and have success on the international stage and still stay loyal to his side yeah. um, and, and be the standout player in a time when people are moving around in Europe, especially, you know, the likes of the Hungarian, the, the Czech Slovakians and some of the, the former Yugoslavian players were, were some of the first to, to move around, really. It's one that he's so clear uh, in terms of being the best player at his club at the time. Um, it, it's a miracle, really, for, for them that he never moved. So, yeah, he's he's definitely up there. Yeah, winning the Ballon d'Or in 67. So that would have been the year after. Did Bobby Charlton win it, the year that England won the World Cup? Yeah, uh, do you know what? Yeah, I think you're right. You've that is a great shout, Jack. I didn't, I didn't consider because I know about that that guy because the I think it's the Indian City's fair fairs cup, like you said. Because um, didn't they beat Juve one 0 Yeah, they beat Juve. I think we might have 
beaten them before because I think we we won it. I think in in the early seventies. I know Leeds won it as well. Um, with that dirty Leeds side, and I think they might have beaten uh Ferenc Veros in in the final actually. And but, yeah, they so yeah that's... they were a good side, but nothing to write home about. But that's what I mean. It, it goes back to what you're saying. I mean, I think they played the likes of like United because I remember um, reading up about this guy. Yeah, United. They, so he he basically would have played against majority of the top sides in Europe, right? And for this guy to stay where he is and with the Ballon d'Or, it's pretty. Yeah, like you said, it's a pretty momentous thing to be honest. It's it's you know you got to give him credit. He didn't he, he didn't have to stay. He probably would have been wanted after by all those clubs. Definitely, that's a great shout, Jack. Thank you. Pull that one, pull that one out of the hat, mate. And, right. Uh, I'm interested to see who your number one is because I, I don't have a clue who you could pick. Yeah, I think I think it's clear, isn't it? Um, number one over 700 games. Um, Talk Maldini. Oh, of course. He's not been mentioned yet. Yeah. I've not mentioned him. He taught Maldini. Loyal. I f- personally think, you know, if it wasn't for Maldini, this guy would be the best defender centre-back ever. The closest you're going to get to him not being loyal is at a youth level. He yeah, that's the tr- funny thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he could have played for Inter, but they rejected him. Yeah. But apart from that, Baresi is my number one. I think this guy here stayed for a long time, taught, mentored, however you want to say it, Probably the best centre-back, if not best defender, that's ever played. Um, he's the only other association I know of is after his playing career. I think he was at Fulham <laughs> um, as part of their, their board. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was at Fulham um, as part of their board. Or he had some dealings with Fulham anyway in the early 2000s. But apart from that, this guy was AC Milan through and through. Um, I, can't, I can't think of someone who's a one-club man and that good as a, as a footballer who can beat this guy. And I, I, can't, I, I don't have anything else to say that then he's a brilliant footballer and stayed at um, AC Milan. I don't think he was ever close to leaving, as far as I'm aware. I don't want to break that by going to Google and finding out that he, you know, almost joined someone like I did with Maldini. But um, I'm pretty sure this guy just stayed loyal to, to Milan and um, helped him to many league titles and secured that, that beautiful centre-back pairing. Um, uh, how many goals a day? Is it something stupid? Like, I mean, you can see like thirty-five goals or ridiculous. Yeah, month. that there was that stat, but that was when they were playing centre back together. Actually, yeah. playing together, it was something like it was something like one every six games or something. Yeah, and it was over two hundred games. But yeah, for me, I can't believe he's not on my ten. But at the same time, I would never have put him top just because of I was almost punishing players because for, they... for great team. <laughs> In the way that I did it. Yeah, um, I suppose you put it in a, in a different way, haven't you? I think you're right, though. If, if you are an outstanding player in a poor team, then it, I, I I personally think that's more law than being an outstanding player in an outstanding team. You're right. Yeah. Did you know his brother, uh, his brother captained Inter? Because they both went for the yeah. Charles or whatever. And then they were yeah. both they were both captain at the same time. I don't know if his brother was in the 1982 um, squad or not, but that that was an absolutely stacked defensive team, so I, I doubt it. But yeah, I mean, what a player! A lot of people say he was the greatest ever centre back. You could say that. I mean, you, you know, say, pretty- I don't think he's the greatest ever defender because you've got you've got a couple of others that are kind of a bit more versatile in a way. But yeah, he's a, yeah. he's a very very great 
player, great captain, loyal. Yeah, but I think you've put the spin on it. I think we're definitely going to have a little mix match on our final 10. But yeah, go on, Jack. What's your number one? So my number one is also in Italy. And no surprises in guessing who it is. It's Francesco Totti. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's one of my favourite players. So I don't know whether bias comes into it. But when we came up with this list, he just instantly... Yeah, straight away. And I didn't even have to think about it. And I had to think quite hard about the rest of my list. But this this wasn't even a thing and it's not even the loyalty to Roma it's actually the loyalty to Roma the city we call it Rome don't we but yeah I think it is Roma in Italian he's like he's like the emperor of that city he's like the, <laughs> he's like the most famous Roman since Julius Caesar that's <laughs> that's the impact that he he has and you talk about you talk about making the team relevant and and stuff like that and I know what you said about the the Real Madrid thing in 2004 and that was probably when he was on peak at his peak when he was on the on the cover of Pro Evo um, <laughs> I think look to, to be able to turn that down I, yeah. I don't know how far he got with me I don't know if he actually got meetings I know that obviously they made the offer um, but you're talking about the most stacked Galactico squad ever but they had that one spot which would have been his spot behind the striker that they were missing so he would have you know he would have played every game there would have been no no worries about that and he could have been part of, of history, but he is part of history now, but in a different way. Because, you know, he's got all these records like in Serie A, isn't it? He's a second top scorer, but he'd be he'd be the top scorer for one club. Um he'd be the most capped player Roma have ever had. Um he's got a few Champions League records, like oldest score and stuff. And yeah, it it's sort of a perfect marriage, this one. Because I think I'm a, I may be a bit biased, but you are right. Totti was not at the same level as some of these guys as a player, but the team sort of was perfect for Totti, and he was perfect for the team in in that sort of false nine role that he did. I think they built the team around him eventually. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, look, I'm I'm probably being a bit dantic with when I say you know after their playing career, he 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 admitted to wanting to play for Real Madrid. Blah blah blah. You know, it's not. At the end of the day, he stayed at Rome or Roma, sorry. Um, and he's a brilliant player. Don't get me wrong. And like you said, he it, again when you said one man club, we're doing this episode. Same here. He was the first one that popped to mind. I did have a little bit of a think about it first uh, after it though, um, just to make sure I wasn't being biased. I like the guy as well. Not not as much as you do. He is a fantastic player. He is a a little player that I think Rome have this thing where. They try to keep players for ages. I mean, is it Daniel De Rossi? He's yeah. Did he it. go now? He's a Boca Juniors. He... he went to Boca Juniors. Random fucking move. But um, I think he left a few years back. But yeah, he he went. But I don't think you're going to get another player these days. Definitely not. I'll be very surprised. I mean, the only play- players I can think about that I can think who could potentially stay is some academy players like Mount or Rashford. Potentially, you're. Your typical international player is going to want to play in the Premier League or the Spanish League. Maybe in Germany. I don't know if Müller could dig it out. Yeah, the only thing I would say maybe about that is, is Brexit going to make it, for English players, is that going to make it easier? But then you are seeing more of them go, especially to Germany these days, yeah. whether it's for a loan spell or, or not. So, yeah, yeah it's a bit I, of a I one. can't think of the next... Um, Totty. Yeah, I mean, people would have hoped it was messy, but... I think he's gone this summer. Chiellini, is he 
always been at Juve. I think I think our friends at the Italian Anglo podcast mentioned this. Chiellini's been online a couple of times mm-hmm. to a couple of clubs, so doesn't count. He's, yeah, that can't. Uh, so he's always been at Juve um, in terms of like as a player, but I think he was on loan at a couple of other clubs when he was a youth product at Roma. Right. So you could probably I don't know. It depends how you want to look at it, but yeah. But Martin. Santiano Bernabeu, nine, Giggs, eight, Yashin, seven, uh, Adams, Tony Adams, six, Totti, five, Maldini, four, Billy McNeil, three, Paul Scholes, two, Poyol, one, Baresi. And yours? My ten is ten, Rogerio Senni, nine, Poyol, eight, Nilton Santos, seven, Maldini, six, Ledley King, five, Bergami, four, Yashin, three, Lofthouse, two, Albert, and one, Totti. Right, ones I want to keep in, definitely McNeil, definitely Albert, that's a great shout, Totti has to stay in, um, so yeah, Baresi, Payol, I'm okay about Skulls, I, I don't know, you said you... Yeah, I quite like the Skulls shout. Yeah. We've oh. both got Puyol in there, haven't we, as well? Yeah. And it, actually, Puyol and Yashin are the only two that are in both our lists. Oh no, that's, is that right? Totti, yeah, as well. I've got Totti and Maldini as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. That we'll, what we'll do then. We'll go from one one to five. It's probably easier that way. It is. It has. Yeah. It's always easier to to start at the top. So I've gone Barazi, obviously, and you've gone Totti. I've gone Totti six. I am open to Totti being higher, but I don't think that high. Um, Barazi, I'm open to him being dropped as well. I like the shot of Albert. You know. What about Albert? Isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? I think. I think yes, because of what he's achieved at the club he was at. I think it's a great shout. I just, I, I think you summed up loyalty in that player there. Um, so yeah, I think he's number one for me. But you, I, I feel like I should put Billy McNeil a lot higher. Yeah, where did you have him? I had him four, and I know you've had Poyol a lot, a lot lower than I did. So I had him two. Barazi, I'm now coming to, around to your way of thinking of, you know, they're a smaller club and they stayed there. I know Celtic weren't a smaller club, but started to achieve things more so to speak when Billy McNeil was there I think and th- when you're talking about McNeil and I suppose Totti as well you're talking about two people that also I guess comes into it is they were boyhood fans yeah which always yeah. help I know you're not going to settle for Totti anything lower than two are you Jack <laughs> I just I think if, I'm not even approaching it from the angle of club like I'm just approaching it from the angle of the city <laughs> to be honest like <laughs> the whole which is obviously hard for. I mean, maybe that's not true because obviously Lazio fans won't won't agree with that. <laughs> Probably, um, yeah. I don't know. He's just well, such a. Uh, do you know what? Like just, said, he really, he really just came to mind straight away. Like, that's boom, what I'm about my club men. That's yeah. that's the thing. He, yeah, he's synonymous with it. So, all right, put him there. Put him two. I love McNeil three. So that's our that's our top three. If if you're happy with McNeil there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I love the story of of the Lisbon Lions, and obviously he was he was the captain and the player that that you think of, and yeah, being being so close to being born to the stadium and then growing up and playing and then managing after that. I don't know if he was involved in director of football and things like that or whatever they had, but yeah, that's that's a solid shout. Um, speaking of kind of the city or the town, I mean, I had Lofthouse as free with the Bolton. Yeah, that's another good shout. I'm, I'm happy with that as well. I, I personally think Lofthouse four though. Well, yeah, because we've got McNeil at three. Yeah. 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 Okay. I thought you know. I thought you was uh, trying to argue against. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. 
that, that I'm happy with lost task four. Bloody hell! So, so we've actually completely changed the top, the top uh, four that we've both gone for. All right, okay. Um, who we who going with five? So obviously I've said Barazian, Payol, and Paul Scholes at my top three. Again, like I said in the middle of listing these out, I feel like I feel like the order's probably wrong. And I feel like what you're saying about being a top club does affect things. However, I don't think Paul Scholes, you can't put Paul Scholes in that category per se, because when Man United were playing, when he was in class 92, they weren't the best of clubs. They were a massive club, but they weren't the best of clubs at that time, were they? No. I mean, especially in terms of in Europe. Yeah. So, and, you know, to come out of retirement, there's, there's that. There's a factor there to come out of retirement to play for the club again, which none of the players on this list, I don't believe, have done. I think he should be next. Yeah, uh, that's the one when I heard it, I thought, oh, yeah, that is. I can't believe I've not got him on my list because, yeah, the, the coming out of retirement to help your club out in, in their time of need sort of thing. It's got to be, that, yeah. Yeah. All right, so he's number five then. Number six, who are we saying? Who have you got? Who have we not mentioned from your... So I'd Yashin four, Bergami five, King six. King for me, I think it was a bit of a. You're right, he's a great player, but again, I think I think injuries. We the way I see it is King was riddled with injuries, and like you said about why would you leave a club if you've got so much success or it's such a successful club? I don't see how King could have moved on to another club. You know, not he can't really go into another club. He's famous for not training and a lot of managers yeah that, that's a good point actually because James said didn't he um, James Planet FPL said that when Lady King England went, was... went to England yeah Capello just couldn't understand, understand. Yeah. yeah and maybe that, that is a shout actually in the same way that I put Ruggiero Senni on there just because I felt I had to because of his stat. Ruggiero Senni had it absolutely amazing yeah <laughs> uh, Sao Paulo like being on penalties and free kicks as a goalkeeper, you ain't going to get that anywhere else. So, yeah, that's that's a fair point, actually. Yeah, so that's why I wouldn't have had missed that. Yeah, so I like the Ashen shot, though. I, I didn't go into much detail as you did, um, but I think you're right. I think he's... I, I'm just amazed by how long he was at that club, Dynamo. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's partly political why he didn't move, but he's, he could have still moved, I suppose, you know, internally in, in Russia. Um, but, yeah... And even, you know, even like Dynamo Kiev and places like that, because that was still in all under the Soviet Union banner. Yeah. Uh, there would have been no reason why he couldn't have done that. And I'm assuming that 33 year spell, at least a couple of those years, he would have been able to move. Um, yeah. So I'm happy with him at six, if you are. Yeah. Cool. Right. Seven. Um, so we haven't mentioned Poyo yet, Barese from my list. I also had Adams, Tony Adams. Who have you got left from your seven? I suppose I've got I've got Bergami. Yeah, I've got Maldini, Nilton Santos, and Poyol. Now I suppose the thing with Nilton Santos, it was still at the time when the South Americans stayed in their country. So you're literally looking at a Santos move as probably the only one that he could do that would be worthwhile for him. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to to kind of concede on that. And look, I think at the end of the day he'll be happy enough of his two World Cups. <laughs> to uh, and and a silver medal at the World Cup as well to um, to worry much about club success. So I'm happy to take him out on occasion. I just feel I'm probably skipping there, but I just feel like Maldini and Barese in so many ways are hard to separate. You're right. Um, yeah, I was about to make that point actually. I think <laughs> they come. I know in the I know we have ranked on on a quite a few occasions, but 
when it comes to something like this, especially, it's a very difficult topic to to split them so much. Yeah. I know you sort of did your your best of doing it by saying about the fact that he was potentially going to leave to Chelsea, which yeah. might have to be considered. I think that's clutching straws to be honest. I think this I was going to make that point that you know this is the first podcast. I think we've mentioned the both of them in the same thing, and I've I've at least got them one away from each other. Well, I've actually got them three away from each other. But yeah, I think you're right in a sense that you know I've looked at it from a different angle. Um, but you're right in the sense that they had it Kushti, that they're at a club where you wouldn't need to leave. However, Maldini would have to go behind Baresi. We're going to have them both on the list. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, who was the other one you said you had on? Uh, I had Bergamy. And what was, was your reason behind equity? Just a so he was, in, he was in to Milan for 20 years. He only won one league title, one was it? cup. Yeah. And he was part of the World Cup winning side, but... Um, you know, I think Poyol has got to be in there as well. You you had him at number two, didn't you? Whether you feel that's that's right now, he was. I think yeah. you can't help who the club you're kind of you grew up playing for, Poyol. Um, and let's be honest, Barcelona kind of dipped in the I suppose the late nineties, didn't they? Dipped, went up, dipped, and then they kind of peaked. Um, you know, Real Madrid was always in those early two thousands. Real Madrid were the the team, weren't they? Um, Poyol. Did stay long, and I suppose definitely compared to Maldini, he's he's above him. Um, but I like your shout. I think I think the fact that yeah, twenty years, and he could have moved on, like you said, and like I mentioned as well, in in Italy, they tend to move around within their I suppose in own own league. Very strange that they do that, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. I would hate for you know one of our players to go to Arsenal or some some shit. Unless well, they do, but when they're about thirty-three, <laughs> yeah, unless they're retiring. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that can go next, and then Payol, if you're happy with that. Yeah, so Bergami seven, Payol eight. Yeah, so we've just got nine and ten. I don't want to put. Do you, I, uh, so who, who have you got left then? Because I've only got left really on my list Maldini and Ruggiero Seni and I, I think Seni's I feel like I had to mention him in the podcast because he was the record holder of appearances but he could have easily just been an honourable mention So I've got Maldini Tony Adams Giggs and Baresi Now my opinion well, has changed completely in this podcast I think Giggs in terms of loyalty something that's not known for gigs <laughs> um, probably has it there and I'm pretty sure clubs would have been after him and he's from well, the same class I would, I would I didn't have him on my list but Tony Adams nickname of course was Mr Arsenal yeah now gigs gigs nickname might just be Mr Premier League potentially um, because he's got so many records but it is he is synonymous with United of course he's also very synonymous with this Premier League era um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I didn't have Adams in my list, but I'd be quite happy to have him for that because it's a very, it's quite a similar story to Puyol, really. Um, in terms of they started both captains, both sort of went through different eras yeah. of manager style, and both ended up retiring at the club. Right. Really, you're right. Just Adams didn't win as much, I, I assume, as Puyol. So, are we saying Adams above Maldini? And Berezi. I know Berezi's number one for me, which seems weird now, but he's just dropped from the <laughs> ranks. <laughs> but, but I've, you know, I think the way you've looked at it is spot on. You know, I've kind of done it as a hybrid of how good they are and how long they've probably stayed at a club, really, and, and what their impact was. But where the way you've looked at it, 
it's spot on. And I think it really depends on how you look at it, isn't it? Because I think if you just took it as literally the best players ever to be one club men, yeah, you then you've them. got to be having Maldini and Baresi as the top two. But I think, yeah, it's just yeah, fuck it. For me, it was just the situation. No, you're right. You're right. Completely change it. I'm happy with Adams there then. Number nine. Number ten then. I'm probably going to say Giggs. Giggs over Baresi or Maldini. Yeah. <laughs> so you're number one. You're not even having in the top ten now. Well, Fair enough. I mean, it. Yeah, it's it's true, yeah, it's, though, isn't it? It's it's. You're right, Lordy. You know, I'm gonna have to reevaluate my life. You know, I've 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 evaluated um Lordy pretty wrong here. Hopefully, I'm not doing. <laughs> rest of my life that way but um yeah i mean you're right i know i keep repeating myself but they had it cushy you know they've been at a club for ages while they leave you know that's simple as that really where gigs you probably could say the same thing but at that time man united weren't a major team or the world made team but they weren't hitting the heights internet uh internationally at all you know they were young gigs was young and a winger so in terms of performance based you can probably not get away as with as much you know on the wing as say centre back, it's more forgiven being a centre back. I personally feel you don't have to do as much, especially in Italy as well. Whereas gigs, it was all goals or assists, and to fit in that team like he did and contribute to to the Premier League, like you said, I personally think yeah, he's going to have to be above the likes of Maldini and Baresi, which I didn't think I'd say today. I don't know if you agree though. That's the thing. It could be a crisscross, crisscross. No, I I didn't really think of gigs, but I suppose the thing with gigs is. Fergie, Fergie loved to chop up teams, didn't he? After every few years, so Giggs has just done very well in himself to make sure he remained a one-club man in a way. And for uh, yeah, I mean, there's a way to look at it. Obviously, they are all very massive clubs, United and Milan. Maldini and Baresi probably had it very, very cushy, and they could have gone anywhere. Giggs could have gone to other places, and but at the same time. He could have gone to worse teams than than United. So to kind of keep that level of professionalism and, and things like that, yeah, I'm I'm happy to put gigs in in the top yeah. ten. You also got to look at it this way as well. Uh, just specifically Maldini, Baresi, which is like his mentor as well. So he kind of the legacy was kind of passed down from Baresi. And when you're in that position, it's probably easier just to stay. You know, yeah, because the fans kind of expect it. Oh, you're the new Baresi, blah blah blah. Like that. That's how they probably looked at it. This might also be the last time we speak about gigs. Whereas, Maldini and Brazy will get a few more mentions. It's true, it's true. But to be honest, gigs in a Lorty episode. <laughs> My God. But yeah. All right. Can you give us the uh, rundown from uh, 10 to 1 then, Jack? Yeah. So we've got 10 Ryan Giggs, 9 Tony Adams, 8 Carlos Poyal, 7. Giuseppe Bergami, six, Lev Yashin, five, Paul Scholes, four, Nat Lofthouse, three, Billy McNeil, two, Francesco Totti, and one, Florian Albert. What a list. Some of those names I did not expect tonight. I just did not expect some of those names. But when you break it down and the uh, reasons we've given, I think it's spot on. Well done. Right, on to next episode, Jack. I wonder if the boys will be up with us. <laughs> oh, who knows at this point? Yeah. Who fucking knows? Go ahead, Evan, what have we got? So, next week, we've got a non-football one. Well, there might be some football in there. It's the top 10 Olympians of all time. Ooh. And that's international, yeah? Not like the British one we did previously. No, that's uh, all all countries eligible for that. All that's genders. Good. 
That's going to be good. That's going to be uh, an interesting one. Something different as well. Something different. Love football, but sometimes you've got to steer away from it, don't we? Um, cheers, Jack. Hopefully the boys will be back next week. But if not, who gives a crap? Loyalty and all that. We've learned that in this episode. We've learned exactly what loyalty means, actually, lads. Yeah, if you're listening. Um, cheers, nice one. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to and check us out on socials at FTLOL Podcast. That's on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. But as always, keep it FTLOL. See you next week for another For the Love of List segment. Remember to follow our Twitter at FTLOL Podcast and to like, comment and subscribe.